Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of Media Will Eat Itself, where we showcase the people behind modern content creation. Each episode will discuss the things that make media tick, talking to professionals from all walks of life. It's a media show about media people, and I'm your host, Sean Weston. On today's show, I'm talking to Drew Benvey, the founder and MD of communications agency Battenhall, and an early adopter of social media in mainstream marketing and PR campaigns. And if my research is correct, Drew actually kicked off the Wikipedia page for social media. Our chat will cover how social media has changed over the last decade or so, what it means to be an authentic influencer, and what clients look for in a modern communications agency. Let's get on with the show. Hi, I'm Drew Benvey, and I'm Managing Director and Founder of Battenhall. Okay, tell me about uh, Battenhall then, and how long it's been around. And what did you actually do before that? Okay, so Battenhall is an integrated communications agency for the social media age, which is our way of really trying to figure out what clients are wanting from PR, advertising, media agencies nowadays. And we founded Battenhall to fill a void that we felt existed in the communications agency space for consultants that have a breadth of knowledge across disciplines, but a depth of specialism in social media across the board. So at Banhall, from the most junior intern to the most senior consultant, everybody has a depth of skills in social media. And when we founded Battenhall, we felt that that was something that would be in demand from the industry, um, which is why that we set up Battenhall the way we did. And previous to running Battenhall, I was in public relations and I was the CEO of a, um, a large technology specialist PR firm. Okay, so this is what this series is all about, actually. It's about the, that, that mix of skills and those different things that we need to know now in order to be able to do our job. And it feels like it's changed an awful lot in the last 10 years, hasn't it? It definitely has. Uh, I started my career in public relations in the late 90s and I entered into a profession which was, broadly speaking, um, filled with what, 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 what we could term the old-fashioned view of PR. Uh, there was consumer PR and there was corporate PR. Many people were, relatively speaking, very um, uh, creative types. Uh, there was a lot of networking and schmoozing. People were generally good at writing and those were the core skills. I entered into it a, a little bit of a, um, a a different package, I suppose. I was more into technology, and my first five years or so in PR, it was in the technology industry. So I started off in-house working in the dot-com uh, kind of bubble, and I taught myself to code. I accidentally set up a blog back in 1999, I think it was. <laughs> accidentally? Accidentally, yeah. I was trying to set up a website, and uh, what's now known as an FTP site. I wanted to load some work onto a, a, onto the web so I could access it from a different location. And I accidentally set up a blog. And I noticed people were writing about their lives on these websites. So I, I just got stuck in and uh, and haven't looked back since. Oh, that's great. That, that, that is just by chance. So, so one of your claims to fame also, let's get this out of the way, besides your obvious business acumen, is being the creator of the social media page on Wikipedia. So when did you write that? And what did social media look like back then? Well, so back in 2006, and it was April 2006 that I decided to write the page on Wikipedia, social media wasn't even a thing. Um, back then, people were using phrases like, well, there was blogs, there were social networks, there was Web 2.0, but the phrase social media had just started to bubble up. Uh, I, I had at the time set up a blog about social media to try and um, cover the, the topic. Yeah. And when I went on Wikipedia, I noticed that nobody had ever mentioned it. So I decided to just kick it off. Isn't that incredible? 
we're talking we're also talking probably a year before the iphone uh, really took off and, and i guess youtube was in its infancy exactly yeah. yeah and facebook and twitter had just begun they were very very small back then and most people in the pr industry certain had certainly hadn't fathomed that it, this would be of any relevance at all mm. uh, to mainstream pr so back then it was really a small thing and, and it just snowballed and took off so if, if you go to the wikipedia page for social media check the history i think i've got entries one two three and four and you can even see what they look like they were not very good <laughs> it looks <laughs> it looks much better now yeah. So, what, so what was that light bulb moment for you when you realised the potential for social media to um, connect with with PR and marketing? Well, for me, it was very gradual, and it began with the types of businesses and clients I was doing the PR for. And back then, it was very specialist software companies. Mainly, it was US companies doing a global public relations work. And the first thing that I noticed was. Um, specialist bloggers within these specialist industries were being seen as gurus. They were being quoted in the press. And if they wrote positively about a brand or its products, those reviews would rise to the top of a search result online. So yeah. I quickly noticed that if you were to court these bloggers the same way as you would court a, a, a high-profile media outlet, there could be positive PR as a result. So it all started from there, and, 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 and it just evolved ever since. So that there wasn't really ever one big... Um, breakthrough moment it was just a gradual evolution to where we are today where it's probably fair to say social media has permeated all aspects of not just the media landscape but of society oh, i totally agree and, and often one of the, the the real benefits of of that blogging and i guess that you recognized it very early is is what you've you've said is that they they were influential people um you know journalists or people working in magazines or newspapers are researching their topic whereas the bloggers could have been working within the industry and they often were experts. Uh, they worked for companies, um, and uh, s some of them had more time on their hands, so they would they would go to a press tour if you invited them. Stuff like that is commonplace now, but back then it was groundbreaking. And so we really did uh, have a lot of time to test and learn. Um, and now social media happens on a on a completely different scale. But yeah, it has been very much an evolution. Yeah. So how how much do you think companies and and, and journalists have have changed the way social media works for them these days, for for better or for worse? Well, um, I think first things first is it, it, it has changed the way that content is uh, uh, found, um, created and then published. So whether that's by a media company or by a brand, you go to a typical company website, whatever it is, uh, whether it's a media company or, 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 or a consumer product, um, social media is all over the, uh, the, the site. Uh, mm. If, if, if you're a magazine or a newspaper, your journalists are probably using Twitter to gather news stories. Uh, they're probably using Facebook and Instagram, YouTube uh, to, to, uh, to, to drive traffic to these stories. Um, a typical media outlet is multimedia now rather than just print. So there's different skills and bigger teams. And, um, and it's, the social media landscape now is really typified by a breadth and a depth. So more social networks are relevant to more brands. Mm. In the past, it was... If you're a corporate, it was LinkedIn. If you're a consumer, it was Facebook. If you were, if you were a, a kind of a, a video brand, you'd be on, on YouTube. But now what you're finding is pretty much every type of organization is all over all of them. Yes. But then the, the depth is really interesting as well. So each of the main social networks are much richer. So you've got, for example, I think Instagram's a great example here. You've got private messaging. You've got stories which disappear, which are portrait mode rather than landscape. And Instagram has recently launched IGTV, which yeah. is essentially YouTube for Instagram creators. So if you were even to pick on one social network, there's uh, unparalleled depth to which 
media companies and brands uh, have, have to cater for. Yeah. Well, and you, you recently wrote about uh, trust and authenticity in regards to social influences that don't really play fair, perhaps. Yeah. So yeah. tell me more about what that problem is and what you're doing to tackle it. Well, um, what social media has done is it's enabled uh, uh, all of us to be able to um, get immediate access to the things we need access from. It might be uh, speak to a train company because your train's running late. It might be complain about a product that's faulty. It might be talk to your favorite celebrity and they might even talk back. Um, so there's this transparency now and uh, and figureheads, brands and media outlets alike. Um, uh, if they were to give this transparency, earn a great amount of trust. Mm. So all in all, social media is providing a, a fantastic opportunity. However, um, uh, Individuals can create quite large followings overnight um, using methods which I would say are not necessarily transparent um, and don't don't engender trust. So, for example, you could buy fake followers. You could use software to artificially inflate your engagement uh, scores to make it look like you're popular. Um, and uh, brands, it's, it's been said, politicians are looking at ways to do this to make themselves look more popular as well. Um, gaming the system. Gaming the system. Yeah. Um, it's something that I and, and all of my colleagues stand very firmly against. We stand for the exact opposite. We stand for we stand for transparency. We stand for trust, and we we are um, specifically looking for evidence of the kind of the breaking the trust, breaking the, uh, the the transparency, and ensuring that this is never undertaken. Whether it's with um, you know, if a brand might say, "Would you like to work for us?" If a if an influencer says, "I'd like to review your product." Um, we're looking for trust and we're looking for transparency at all times and ensuring that we're only working with these kind of high quality examples because I feel there's no place for gaming the system. Um, and, uh, and what's good is the big social networks are doing a lot to try and fight this as well. So um, hopefully in a, in a short space of time, we'll see more brands, more agencies like us, uh, taking a more proactive, uh, I suppose, stance to this issue. Yeah, so you're doing your due, due diligence on behalf of your clients as well, aren't you? So, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we always have done, but it's it's becoming a bigger issue nowadays because there are more high-profile examples of this being caught out. So we're just trying to make public what our stance actually is, which had always been there, but it had been kind of like an internal mantra. Yeah. So now yeah, it's, it's, it's on our website. We've, we've got some examples of what exactly we're trying to do. Hmm. And I guess it's a little bit, you know, some people might come to social media not really understanding it and the etiquette, uh, because there's an incredible amount of etiquette around around social media that's unwritten. And they go, oh, look, I can actually buy followers, you know, and they think, yeah, that's what everyone does. So I'll do it. You know, I, I guess there's an innocence to some of it, right, even though it, it's it's wrong. Oh, absolutely. And if you were to just speak to uh, a, a typical friend, a person in the street about um, about some of the more kind of day to day aspects of social media, you'll hear people saying things like, oh, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd like a free holiday. I'd like to review the newest um, yeah. you know, type, uh, brand of drink because I hear brands give these things out for free. All you need is is followers on a social network. So they try it out. And there are there are ways to get very low quality, very low authenticity, unengaging followings. And in ways that I I personally don't advocate, in which the social networks are expressly trying to stamp out. So um, so this isn't this isn't a great thing. It's it, it's happening here and there. It's not a huge 
uh, issue, but it's it's one that we're looking out for and, and, and ensuring to as, as as much as we can to to um, um, to. To, to stamp it out yeah well i think it's great what you're doing i really do so so let's talk about the reach of social media now and mm. do you think it's actually shrinking the world and bringing us closer together or is it becoming noisier and harder to filter and consume perhaps or is it or is it a mix of the two i'd say it's i'd say it's a mix there's definitely a new platform to access anything you want you know you can you can choose your social network you can choose your topic of conversation what again it's stuck in with um that's important as well because not everywhere in the world do they do the same thing um many parts of southeast asia for example have an entirely different social media ecosystem to tap into what's going on in china you should master wechat uh in in korea kakao talk and in japan would be line and places are uh, a different not just language but culturally on social media but broadly speaking the bigger social networks give us unrivaled access to news, cultural trends, and, um, and, and, and figureheads as well. Yeah. Um, it does create a noise, though, and that's, that, that's clear to see. Uh, you, you just need to figure out what are the ways to cut through the noise, whether it's looking at what's trending, um, looking at what influencers, news organizations are publishing themselves on social media. And, and to the point you raised earlier, it's, it's partly down to kind of etiquette as well. Once you start on a social network, Look for how people use it, and you'll and you'll find your way through uh, much quicker. Yeah, yeah. If only I could uh, find out how to stop seeing Love Island on my trending list, then wow. then I'd be a winner. <laughs> <laughs> There's always going to be a, a, be a bit of a, a, a marmite uh, popping up. On the social and uh, yeah, that's that, that's one that's one that um, we, we we do have to deal with across the board. Uh, one one top tip from me is. What I love about Twitter, which is one of my favorite social networks still, is you can mute certain phrases. And I've heard that that has become a, a, a much used um, <laughs> uh, uh, switch that people are, are <laughs> flicking at the moment, for the, probably for the next few weeks. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, tell me, where are your, your favorite social media platform? So obviously Twitter's one. Yeah, Twitter's one. The other two, uh, Instagram is the second. Um, I think the two are, are, are so different. Twitter is re- really for um, you know it's uh, it's for the wordsmith. It's the one I've I've invested most of my time in over the mm-hmm. years, and um, and Instagram I think is one of the most uh, uh, rapidly evolving at the moment and uh, looks looks completely different to Twitter. You know it's um, l- less content, less busy, um, much more visual, uh, and I think the way that Instagram is. Um, uh, putting stories front and center is is, is really fascinating mm. and it caters to a certain trend amongst social media users to not want to leave a huge history a huge trail of content you want to share a photo or a video with your friends uh, but you might not want it there forever and that's what's driving the popularity of stories which we've seen growing hugely across social media in recent months yeah and for because me we, we should explain to, to people who are familiar with it it's because they expire after a certain amount of time don't they that's right. Yeah. So stories were first made popular by Snapchat. They self-destruct after a day, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and they're now widely used across Twitter and emerging on places like Facebook as well. Yeah. So you obviously a LinkedIn user as well. I'm a LinkedIn user as well. I should I should mention I, I said I said Twitter just then. I meant of course Instagram. Uh, I do use LinkedIn. I'm using it more recently, um, and I think LinkedIn has put a lot of effort into creating an interesting news feed, which previously was not a, a you know a top use of linkedin it was more search and find individuals but now i will find myself opening the linkedin app on my phone that's how i use it mm. um 
uh, you know, pull down to refresh and seeing what people are up to. And I've, I'm finding LinkedIn content much more interesting recently. LinkedIn have added some interesting new features such as sharing video content. And um, and I do find it an interesting place to dip into more regularly than I used to. Yeah. So let's shift a little bit now because we, we've really focused on, on social media a lot. But I'd like to come back to what your clients generally expect of you as a modern communications agency and how the things we've talked about uh, play into into that, into your answer? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, what they're expecting is applied social media. And really, we, we do two types of work. One is integrated communications work. It could be public relations, advertising, media buying. It could be web design. And the reason they will come to us is because of our strength in social, because nowadays you can't build a great website without it being uh, fit for social. Mm. You can't really do PR without understanding how social media is affecting the way news is gathered and circulated, the speed at which it moves and everywhere in between. So often we will have an integrated brief from a client. And the reason we're doing it is because social media is part of it. And the other type of brief is out and out ensuring our client is doing excellent work on social media from content creation to insights to strategy to community management and will work as an integrated part of our client team to ensure that that's happening and client expectations are, 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 are really changing as well over the years um, social media has become more mature expectations are much more realistic nowadays whereas in the past Perhaps uh, more corporate B2B industries, expectations are relatively low. They thought, yeah, no way we're going to get a million likes on our next campaign. <laughs> yeah. uh, whereas in consumer land, they were stratospherically high. Everybody thought they would, could become famous overnight on social. Whereas now we've, we've reached more of a kind of a, an, an even playing field where every new campaign, every new program, you start from the beginning. You look at what you're helping to achieve. How can social media help you do that? Um, and so expectations are relatively stable now and it's um, uh, it, it's a much more mature place to, to be operating. Yeah. And as expectations have changed uh, over the years, I guess, and, and your clients are more savvy about what they need. Um, let's come back to one of the first things you said at the top of this interview is, is that having that depth of skill. So, so how multi-skilled do you need to be to be a modern media professional these days? Well, the way we like to look at it is um, every consultant in our in our business, um, uh, we, we, we draw out their skills and it looks like the letter T. It's a T-shaped, a capital T. So a breadth of skills across the top. These could be disciplines. These could be industry sectors. And a typical PR person tends to be uh, an individual with those breadth of skills. A, a, a typical PR firm is often either a sector specialist like the technology sector, the consumer sector, the pharmaceutical sector, or perhaps they'll have a type of PR that they specialize in. Crisis comms is typical. You'll see firms that specialize in that. But then all consultants have this depth of skills at Battenhall in social media specifically. And there are different aspects of social. So we've got some quite famous YouTubers on staff. We've got individuals who are fantastic writers and they're more active on blogs. And those depth of skills uh, in social complement the breadth, and we find that is incredibly useful to our clients. And it's one of the reasons we find that clients want to work with us, but also why, why our consultants become relevant in the media landscape and the way it works today. Yeah. And so what that sort of advice would you pass on uh, to a new media, sorry, a new generation of media students um, is, is to uh, focus on, on having that depth of knowledge if, if you can. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I'd say first and foremost, make time to test and learn. And looking back on what I think might have worked, albeit accidentally in, in, in my career history, I've always 
create a time to test new stuff out. Uh, I taught myself to code. I tried out new social networks when they were new and not not necessarily famous yet. Um, and it's hard to do that when you've got a full-time job. So you either need to do it when you get home or make space during the working day. That's one thing we've tried to foster at Battenhall. We have something we call the 20% model where we limit the working day by 20%. We do it over the month. So you could take a day off a week. You could take a few hours off a day. But you, you spend that time trying new things out. And what we yeah. find is that's useful to our clients. It's useful to our colleagues. And, um, and when you test new stuff out and you learn on the job, you become more innovative um, and more inquisitive. And you become an expert in that, that depth of knowledge that we're looking for. And I think that's, that's needed in the modern media landscape. You can't, you can't stay mainstream because everything is evolving so quick. I mean, technology is evolving way faster than we can keep up with. Mm. So um, I, I think personally, training programs tend to be overly structured, not necessarily very innovative. So you've got to be inquisitive and ensure that you don't fade into the background and just keep testing and learning. I love that idea of the of the twenty percent. I think it's actually relevant in so many different fields, in so many different industries and businesses. Absolutely, um, because it's given you that thinking time. Yeah. Um, and I often think we're drowned out by by the nine to five fillet full of everything we have to do, yeah, and we stop having that time for creative endeavours. Two more questions, and then, and then I'll leave you to your busy day. Um, so tell me, tell me how you guys are connected at Battenhall. What what comms software do you use, and and are you guys working in the cloud? Obviously, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We um, so when we set up Battenhall, we created a working model that we hoped would attract just the best talent in the business. Um, a high tech environment, so everybody has a large technology allowance when they start to set up their own gear. Um, they customize their uh, their working environment, and oh, we I give them all lots of flexibility. Yeah. <laughs> well, I learned this from I was interviewing some really great quality people uh, years ago before before I set up Battenhall, and people were starting to say, "Can I bring my own technology to the workplace? Because I love my laptop; it's really powerful." And and we had to say no because. The corporate systems didn't allow it. So I thought when we set up Battle Hall, let's start it off in the cloud, cloud storage, uh, cloud software to uh, communicate, and really good quality technology to run it all. So a typical Battle Hall consultant has 20% of their time to spend in R&D, um, high-tech setup, flexible working, remote working, and unlimited holiday as standard. Hmm. So what that generally tends to create is the freedom to be flexible. But if you walk into the office on any given day, it's full and buzzing because people like working together and they learn from each other and they work in teams. Yeah. But if you want to take off, you've got a client meeting somewhere and you're going to work from near there or you just need to get more stuff done so you work from somewhere else, you can do that. But it does manage itself. You know, People are very much respectful of how we work. And then the tools that we work, um, we love Google. Uh, we have Google... Uh, uh, Email storage documents enables to work collectively at speed, and um, and systems such as chat enable us to uh, work as one team no matter where we are. Yeah, and that like takes, I, takes care of the security side of things, which is often one of the, the the IT department's fears, isn't it? Oh, exactly. Everything's everything's super secure as secure as it can be. Yeah, um, we've put a lot of uh, effort into ensuring that um, not only is the you know the systems and the technologies that we use absolutely secure and and, uh, and and work incredibly well but enable us to work at speed also so as well as the core communications tools we have a whole range of different software systems that enable us to do more sophisticated jobs as well yeah 
Thank you so much for this. It's been a real delight to, to get to talk to someone who's who's actually working in a very, very modern uh, company and for you to have um, described what it's like to create that environment of freedom and trust. So thank you for that. How do, how do we get in touch with you? How do we find you? Well, I think um, the best thing to do is uh, Google me. Um, I'm on all the social networks. So if I was to say Twitter, then people <laughs> that don't use Twitter wouldn't find me. So it's Drew Benvy and I'm on all the social networks. And um, yeah, um, uh, anybody should feel free to just ping me on the one of their choice. All right. That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sean. It's a pleasure. That was Drew Benvy. You can find him at battenhall.net. I hope you enjoyed our chat. And if you did, please leave a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use. Thanks again for the messages of support for the show. There's loads of you out there looking to make a career in media, and I hope this podcast is providing insight into the lives of people actually making it happen. Keep your messages coming and take a look at my own website at seanweston.co.uk for more information about me. And until we meet again, bye for now.